Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Face Yoga Expert Podcast, where we are here to help you feel good from the inside out. And this week is the perfect tonic for feeling good because we are talking about beauty standards and why we need to redefine them. And we're talking about positive aging and accepting and loving ourselves for who we are despite what society's standards expect us to feel. And the perfect person to chat about this is Anita Baguandas. Now, Anita is an award-winning freelance journalist, broadcaster and brand consultant based in London. She's a beauty columnist at The Guardian, beauty director at Condé Nast Travel and has written for a number of top titles. And she's just written her debut non-fiction book, Ugly. And this book is amazing. From all the reviews I have read and also from what Anita has told me, it sounds fantastic. I'm about to get it on audiobook so I can actually listen to it and really understand why we should all be changing our beauty standards and learning to take back that control of ourselves. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode with Anita. Anita, a warm welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm really good. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. And it's our second time meeting. We met in person a few weeks ago, which was amazing, um, at a launch of a, a beauty brand, which was great. But since then, I've been delving into what you do even more. And I just love it. And there's so much I want to talk about today. Amazing. Yeah, I'm excited to chat. I'm really excited to talk about your book in particular. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I'm about to order a copy because I really want to. I think it's got such an important message and I want to really take it back to the beginning to start with, because I know you often talk about your journey of growing up in South Wales and how you didn't feel that you were represented and how that has really been a theme throughout your life and how you wrote this book to, to help and empower others who, who feel the same. Maybe you could talk a bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my book is called Ugly. It it talks about my own experiences growing up in South Wales as a plus size, dark skinned Indian girl um, in the 90s, which is, you know, was a time of, yeah, you know, size zero and, you know, very, very strict body standards and, you know, very, very sort of Eurocentric beauty ideal. And it sort of it also within that looks at the beauty industry and beauty standards and I'm a beauty journalist and so I'm really the sort of I guess almost like the eye of the storm with a lot of those things because I sort of see where trends are going and you know what's happening in the in the beauty industry and it ugly explores our concepts of what is beautiful and what is ugly and where those came from and who basically created our beauty standards you know the standards that we live our lives by the standards that control us the standards that have made so many of us feel like we don't fit in like we're not good enough and I think sometimes people think that those are quite sort of superficial things but they're really not because beauty standards and their control over us have the ability to really impact our entire lives from you know how good we feel about ourselves you know to whether you know to whether we have enough confidence to date or you know to hold our heads up high in the world so there's so many factors that our appearance can you know our the feelings like our appearance is 
Oh God, sorry. I think I need a bit more caffeine today. That's okay. <laughs> what I was trying to say is that there's so many factors across our, you know, our entire existences that are touched by beauty standards that it is a really big, deep, and complex topic that needs to be discussed. Yeah, it's such an important topic to discuss. And in your opinion, do you think things are getting better or they're getting worse in terms of those beauty standards? Yeah, this is really tricky because in some ways, you know, having social media, having the internet has given us access to see more people like us. So I guess if it were, you know, if it was me growing up and I had social media, I could, you know, yeah, I could find other plus size, dark skinned Indian girls out there and be able to see that and be like, okay, I'm not alone. Because I think in the past it has very much been what we've been exposed to. So whether that was, you know, TV, whether it was the Disney things we watched as kids, it's all of these different factors create, you know, sort of combined to create what we see as beautiful. And with the internet, with social media, we can see more of that, you know, a bigger variety. So that is a good thing. It's also, social media has also really helped with, you know, movements like body positivity, etc. And that's awesome too. On the flip side of that, it's also created you know the sort of airbrushing that obviously existed before in magazines and in adverts and all of that but it's given it it's taken it to a whole new level where that you know we just look at our phones and we see images and we have no idea if they've been airbrushed or not whether you know whereas before you know you looked at an advert or you looked in a magazine and yeah that it would probably make you feel bad about yourself but you sort of had a bit of separation whereas now everything is on our phones we don't have the time to sort of go yeah that's probably you know airbrushed or whatever um or face tuned and I think in some ways it's made things worse and it has created a sort of almost like homogenous appearance that sort of spans across the globe which is kind of weird and interesting where you know people are starting to want to look the same or like there is one desired aesthetic that everyone is trying to sort of emulate and often that is being emulated through cosmetic surgery or you know tweakments etc and yeah so I think it can be good and bad and I think that's why we do really need to start sort of reclaiming and taking control of our own beauty standards in order to be able to almost just exist in this crazy time in, in in this era where beauty is so so big you know there are so many beauty brands it's worth trillions globally and so, yeah, I think we need to really be able to like navigate that ourselves. Yeah, completely. I agree. And what do you think about reality TV at the moment? I mean, I'm a, a self-confessed reality TV fan. It's my one guilty pleasure. But even I am now boycotting things like Love Island because I just cannot bear another year of the same beauty standards. What's your thoughts on that? Again, do you think it's getting better? Do you think it's getting worse? And how do you think we can change it? Yeah, that's really interesting. I am also a very big reality TV fan. So if you do end up buying my book, Ugly, there are some, there's quite a lot of reality TV references in there. I would love that. <laughs> a lot of real housewives. Yes, uh, that's my favourite. Yeah, same. That's a reality TV. <laughs> in some ways, I actually like that they're, you know, generally speaking, they're quite honest about yes. it on the real housewives. Agreed. In a way that I don't think they are on other reality TV shows, which I, I do quite like. And yes. I, I think that honesty piece is really important and I know that's really hard for people and not you know not everyone feels in the place where they can be like I've had these things done or whatever you know and and, and perhaps they don't want to but I think if you are in a position of influence like a celebrity you do need to cop to those things particularly if you are sort of saying like it's my new face cream 
uh, yeah. for advertising or you know i'm the brand ambassador for you need to cop the fact that you've got tons of filler or you've yeah. you know done x y and z and just have to be honest because it's so detrimental to people's self-esteem to do otherwise so yeah i think with reality tv i i actually generally on the whole think it's been a negative thing mm-hmm. and that it has you know even if you look at the kardashians it's elevated people who are looking to make money from however they can whether that is making women feel insecure and inferior and not good about themselves which you know is what they have done they obviously don't see it like that but you know even even skims even a shapewear brand like skims you know that is that is the spanks of you know our generation it's the corset of the generation from you know before it's the girdle from you know 1950 it's that's what it that's what it is and that doesn't mean it's bad to buy those things but you know they're still making money off reshaping women's bodies you know in the way that they've reshaped their own and I think it's really tricky because yeah I think reality tv because it's watched by so many people and it's so big and it's so global uh I just think it's had a really detrimental effect on so many people yeah absolutely I agree and I think you're right in saying you know there are certain people within reality tv who are quite honest about it and I think honesty is the way forward because you know I think if someone does want to go forward and have something like plastic surgery you know we're in an era now where we have choice particularly as women we can choose what we do with our bodies but I think actually being really responsible with that is where it's at for sure and you know I I look at um I look at my kids I've got two little girls um who are nearly seven and ten and I know in the next few years they're going to start to be exposed to certain images and I'm really aware of that and what I realise is you can't control what's happening externally you can just give them the tools to feel as happy and as grounded and as confident in their own uniqueness as they can and is that sort of what you've started to do yourself over the years is really sort of ground yourself in your own uniqueness rather than trying to fight against all those huge amounts of external influences which we can't control yeah absolutely i have 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 started to do that but it's interesting that you sort of talked about your children because mm-hmm. i do have a chapter in the book on childhood and where we sort of learn beauty standards from because i think that's so fascinating it's you know and even if I look back through my own history, I can see where I got those beauty standards from. And it was from the Disney princesses that I saw who, you know, back then were invariably thin, white, blonde, and, you know, essentially still are, you know, Elsa and Frozen is still like the biggest Disney princess. And, you know, she is all of those things. So like, I do think things have changed a bit, but not enough. Um, it was from, you know, things I watched on TV. It was from the fairy tales. It was from my Barbie dolls. You know, like it was all of those things combined to create a beauty standard. And, you know, those things start so young. And there are studies to say that children as young as five have self-esteem that's comparable to that of an adult. So actually we get those beauty standards very, very young and they can really affect us. And they really stick in our childhood and our teen years because that's when our that's when we are developing our like our personalities and our ourselves. So yeah I think it's been it's really hard to unravel and sometimes I yeah I'm not like a aftershot I think I think that's the thing and I don't promise that with the book like it's not going to fix everyone's problems and they're not going to come away thinking that you know everything's fixed now because I've read this book but hopefully it will shed a bit of light on where those things come from and yeah for me it's been really helpful 
whilst I've been writing the book to sort of learn about where beauty standards have come from and how all this conditioning has happened and yeah how so many of us end up feeling like we're ugly when that is you know that isn't a fact that is ugly and pretty and everything in between it those are concepts that society has created yeah absolutely and I saw a little meme or a, a sort of little carousel on Instagram today and it was by a photographer who had said that every person that he had ever photographed whether it be a famous actress a model a grandmother a 10 year old child had always in some way said that they felt ugly which I thought was hugely interesting or they said little jokes like oh you don't want to take a photo of me I'll break the camera or oh I don't look my best today or my skin's looking awful whatever it is not necessarily saying the words I feel ugly but I thought isn't that interesting that it's actually spanning through so many generations and we talk about young women a lot when it comes to beauty standards but actually I think that it is something that everybody is influenced by the beauty standards in the industry is that your experience too yeah definitely um and you know I grew up in sort of the 90s and you know I think a lot of my friends I know have got mothers who were really impacted by the sort of 80s diet culture and calorie counting and are still very impacted by that today and sort of see success in life as you know staying as a size eight or whatever like that is like that's their proudest achievement and you know, that can't not spill onto your children, really, if that's yeah. that's your mindset. And that's not to put any blame on anyone, because that was very much what 80s diet culture wanted to do to people, particularly women. It wanted to make them calorie count and buy diet products to sell those things. Um, but I do think we're in an era now where that has affected the next generation. So people of like my age. And I think unless we break that cycle, it just keeps going. And to sort of, you know, really separate the fact that you can be beautiful and be, you know, a wide variety of things and look look completely different to the sort of beauty standard that we've been sold. So, yeah, I think I think it does. I think what can happen is that, and what has happened is that all of these standards accumulate over time, and that means that they keep getting passed on until you try and break that cycle. And that is really hard then because you've got external factors like you know, cosmetic surgery is so big now and it's all over social media and it's very sort of devious in the way that it operates on social media too and yeah there there are different fights each generation has but ultimately all of it is trying to control women and control women's appearance so that they don't take up too much space and that they don't have you know they don't take up too much power basically yeah, absolutely. And I always think that awareness is the first step to any change, um, whether it be in society, whether it be within ourselves. And I think there is now a generation of women who are now saying, OK, we're aware that this is happening. We're aware that this control is happening. We're aware that these beauty standards have been set on us, not just within our own lifetimes, but within generations and generations before us. You know, if you look back through history, you can see there's always been beauty standards that women have been expected to live up to those beauty standards might be very different and look very different from today and come from very different places but they were still like you say there to control women to have some sort of hold over them and I think really for the first time ever women are saying and men but definitely women are saying now is the time where we're aware 
And when we've got this awareness, that is us taking our control back and starting to say we can change this. And I really hope that the next generation can not only grow up with that awareness, but can also grow up with that, I guess, that deep desire to make a bigger change, even bigger change than we're making now. Yeah, I think that is really true. I think what I would say, though, is, and so I I write about this in the book, um, because I I just think this is so fascinating, but every time there is a shift in female empowerment in particular, there is, you know, a a body standard, a beauty standard, you know, that shifts really radically. So, you know, if if we sort of say that we're in an era now where, you know, people are embracing, you know, they're, you know, looking different or, you know, embracing different kinds of beauty, and you know are being heard more and we've had movements like BLM and like you know Me Too etc over the last decade or so you know that is a huge period of societal change and a shift in a power dynamic and I think it's I think it's really telling that at the same time cosmetic surgery rates have gone up we've had so much you know innovation in like cosmetic surgery and injectables and treatments and all of that that's all gone up and you know the whole you know Instagram and like the whole or social media and the whole sort of you know way that's created beauty trends that are quite controlling I guess you might say you know like contouring or like you know all of these things that are really wanting to reshape and change how people look and filters etc so I think there is always the flip side of that and when we look back through history that has happened in every significant shift in female empowerment so if you look at the 60s sort of mid 50s 60s when the contraceptive pill was first available then there was a huge shift in how women you know that was obviously a big power dynamic and then there was a really big shift in how women were sort of you know women's body standards and it became about being thin and you know being able to wear like a little mini dress and being thin enough to wear a mini dress and all of that and you know diet culture starts to really ramp up as well in sort of the 70s when the women's sort of like you know sort of second I think second wave of feminism was really taking off and then, you know, diet culture starts to get really, really big. And then if you look even, you know, even before that, sort of in the 1920s, there was another, you know, as women were sort of gaming more sexual liberation, then they were also being controlled by having to be very thin and that becoming the body standard. So I think there is always the push and pull. And it's just, we have to be able to look at that and recognise where we're being pushed and where we're being pulled and like sort of almost try and separate ourselves from that. But it's really hard because I guess unless you know these things, and and are actively aware of them because you know we're all living our lives we're all busy we're all trying to just get through the day it can be really hard I think especially if you're just scrolling on your phone you're not really thinking about what you're doing it's you know you can still take those messages on and not necessarily realize so yeah I think yeah to go back to your point I think we're it's it's much better than it has been but there is still that there will I think until we have a society that is more level there will always be that flip side. I agree. I agree. The polarity is almost getting bigger. You know, there's more awareness of it, but there's also, like you say, more plastic surgery and perhaps more control happening on the other side as well. So, you know, both are happening all the time. And what do you recommend? So people that are listening will be, I'm sure, on board with everything you're saying, but they're probably thinking, okay, Anita, I get this, but how do I feel better about myself? What do I actually do? And what would you say to that? Yeah, this is really interesting. Um, So this is why I actually include some practical tips in the book, because I wanted to give people little things to try if they wanted to. And I'm not saying they will work for everyone, but they really work for me. And anyone I know who's read the book has said, oh, that's really good. And it's it can be quite simple, the little sort of things I've suggested. So 
I think the first thing and the thing that's made the biggest difference to me was just learning about the history behind our beauty standards and where they've come from. And the reason I think that's so important is because we are sort of told that this is what's pretty and this is what's ugly as a fact. And to them to be able to explore that and sort of say, actually, why is it so bad to, you know, get older? And like, where did that come from? Where did that fear of getting older, particularly for women, where did that come from? So I chart that back and look at where that turned because there was a real shift around the sort of witch hunts, the medieval witch hunts. And that's when older women start to become feared. And, you know, there is that whole rhetoric. So like, we would never know that, you know, that's not common knowledge. So I think, yeah, once we start to know where those things have started and why they started, and why we've got this culture of fear around aging, et cetera, or, you know, whatever it happens to be, or fear around being fat, then that's a really good starting point. And some of those starting points are so shocking that they will make you feel incredibly angry. I know they really did for me when I was researching them. So I think that's the first thing because it gives you the full perspective and it gives you the history. Yeah. The second thing that we can do, and this is one of the things I mentioned in the book, is to just be really aware of how we're using beauty products. So this is probably, I think, one of the most, I guess, tangible ways to sort of just check in with how you're doing and how you're doing, like how you're relating to your appearance and your, and in terms of your self-esteem is when you're applying your makeup. And I think particularly with makeup, I think this, this works is so just take a notice of what you are saying to yourself, because so often when we put our makeup on, we're in this sort of autopilot where we're like, I'm hiding my like circles and like trying to make my eyes bigger or different. I'm overlining my lips and like, as we do those things, we're basically just trying to fix and correct our faces. And I think we can really catch ourselves almost like dressing ourselves down as we're putting on our makeup and we don't realize we're doing it. But the fact that we probably do that most days is wild. So I think that's one of the routines that we can almost like interrupt and start to almost reclaim and then start to choose products and use makeup in a way that's a bit more joyful because I guess for me, I just thought to myself, I don't want to spend the rest of my life trying to hide and fix and conceal my face. Like the, even the idea of that, you know, I'm in my late thirties now. And even the idea of that, that's starting to happen. I start to see that with my friends, even the idea of that feels exhausting and it feels miserable and it feels like a, half a life. I don't want that for myself. I don't want that for anyone else. So I think if we can try and shift our mindsets to using makeup as a way of celebrating ourselves and like exploration and fun and creativity that can almost flip that switch a little bit so I guess one of you know it, it, everyone this is different for everyone but for me I love products that feel quite fun to you so it might be like picking products I love the packaging you know for rather than thinking oh my god this is gonna make me look 10 years younger or whatever it happens to be um, and that that really I think that's really crucial for skincare as well it's picking products that you love the smell of or you know you love the packaging or you love the texture whatever it is and moving it away from I'm doing this to look younger or to look prettier or to look better you know doing it moving your routines into sort of yeah self-expression and creativity I think is a really really good way of, of yeah just trying to shift your mindset around beauty 
Yeah, it's such a good way to shift our mindset. And it's really interesting how we've been so conditioned to this almost like anti-aging way of thinking. And it's interesting for me because I've been, I've, well, I've been teaching yoga and wellness and, and face yoga for almost 18 years now. And I think one of the big reasons that my face yoga has been something that's become so popular for people is that anti-aging side of things. Now, I absolutely hate the word anti-aging. In fact, I'm very pro-aging. I'm 41 and I'm very excited about getting to 101. You know, that's what I really want. I really cannot wait for all the rest of the decades of my life. And I'm happy to age naturally as well. You know, I'm happy to do it without injectables without Botox, without fillers. However, when I give my message across to people, which is really about feeling good on the inside, that's what I, that's why I do what I do. You know, I suffered from a, a very chronic illness 20 years ago. I overcame that with wellness techniques. And that's why I share everything I do now. because I want to help other people feel good on the inside. But if I, for example, so I do three YouTube videos a week. If I make a YouTube video, which is about, you know, techniques to help you feel calmer or techniques to boost your confidence or techniques to help, um, your self-esteem or help you sleep better, those videos will hardly get any views. As soon as I'll put a title on like reduce your wrinkles in three easy steps, those videos get huge amount of views. Now, when I'm within that video, you will see quite quickly that actually I shift it away from that. And actually I talk much more about self-gratitude and self-love and what we can do to really nourish our skin and feel good on the inside. But isn't it interesting that so many people, even my sort of soulmate clients as I speak to as I speak about them, which are very much, you know, women that are into wellness and holistic techniques and positive aging still will gravitate much more towards those videos than the ones that are feeling good. Is that your experience as a, a beauty editor as well? You know, if those sort of headlines are used, that's what people still want, even if they are women that are into to, to wellness and feeling good. Yeah, definitely. You know, like if, there was a move a few years ago in the beauty industry to move away from anti-aging mm -hmm. and it's still a, but it's still a huge search term. Yeah, um, it really is, which um, I never use. I hate it. <laughs> I mean, I hate yeah. it. <laughs> it's a really tricky one because, you know, I like, you know, part of it is a, is a, a people thing, you know, because the older we get that on a very like dark level, that's the closer we are to dying, you know, like that is... Yeah it's 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 that sort of fear of of i guess the end um which is very is very dramatic but you know that is part of our that's an intrinsic human thing so that i think is you know yeah. we all generally have that but the other added part of that i think for women is that we've been told our entire lives that to be beautiful you you have to look young and you have to look frozen in time and frozen in a moment so we're always like trying to climb our way back or like rewind the clock to this one moment in time that doesn't exist anymore and yeah. I think, yeah, I think I could, you know, that's why anti-aging treatments and, you know, products, et cetera. And that word anti-aging still holds a lot of, yeah, it holds a lot for people. And I think we, we need to sort of explore what that means. But I, the, the only way I think we'd ever shift that narrative is, is if we see different forms of beauty celebrated and women, more women getting older. So, you know, more women in Hollywood that are older. It only ever seems to be like Helen Mirren is the yeah. only one allowed to get any older. You know, you don't see anyone else. Yeah. You don't see different forms of aging. You don't see like, you know, if you do see an older woman or, you know, even a woman with grey hair, she's always like, you know, she's always 
classically beautiful you know she always fits the sort of beauty standard in other ways yeah don't see always looked at as radical or they say oh my goodness she's let her hair grow gray and it's like used as some sort of you know radical (laughs) step against the norm rather than actually the norm yeah or if it's someone who's like you know gotten older but isn't having any work done she's probably a former model it's it's never just a normal person celebrated for their own beauty or someone doing something a bit different or it's just it's never those people and we just don't see enough of it and actually I I put up some stories on Instagram just sort of pointing some amazing people who have you know just done aging in different ways and in inspiring ways and it might just be like people who dress really like incredibly you know people like Iris Atfield like those kinds of people and it was so popular I saved them all on my on my Instagram because so many people were like, this is amazing. We need to see more of this. And I felt that too, seeing these women, because I wanted to see ways to still be me, but yeah. just, you know, but just evolved and just more mature. And like, I, I think that is, we just, we really sorely lack that, like different ways to still be ourselves. I think women have always been told, you know, when you are this age, this is what you are. Then you're this age, you know, then you're past it. Then you're like trying to fight, you know, fight aging now you're this, now you're that, you know, we're always being put into boxes in the way that men just aren't. And I know, you know, men have their own struggles, et cetera. And there's lots of toxic masculinity and lots of factors around that. But I think for women, that physical appearance is so strong and so controlling and it makes us miserable. And, you know, as I said, it sort of makes us live these, these half lives where, you know, we sort of, after the age of like 20, it's all downhill from here, you know, like how, how is that not an awful way to live? Like that's that is awful. That's awful. Yeah. And, and yet that is how most of us have been taught that we should live and that, you know, after 20, we have to then like fight aging. Yeah. You know, there it becomes this battle. So yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I think I don't know if I've gone off topic at all. That but... was a really great answer. That was fantastic. <laughs> a long rant, sorry. No, we <laughs> love passionate a good about rant. the topic. It's an amazing topic and I'm hugely passionate about it as well. And I think it's so important that we talk about it because I think that's actually how the changes are going to happen. And like you say, highlighting people who are aging in a really positive way, because the more that we can highlight those people, the more we're going to feel excited about the aging process and the more we're going to all accept it because actually it's happening whether we like it or not. So we either go through it with dread and fear and trying to hide away or we go through it really celebrating every moment of it and be very very pro-aging which we absolutely should and I'd love to know just to finish off what wellness techniques you do on a daily basis just to help you feel your best self yeah absolutely so I do Vedic meditation every morning I'm meant to do it twice a day but I can never quite fit that in um so I do that which really helps me I've got a very busy mind I've got ADHD so my brain is always on the go that really helps me but I know 20 minutes of meditation is a lot for a lot of people just chanting but it for some reason that just seems to work for me and I feel that very immediately I also try and exercise as much as possible and I do actually so interestingly I really struggle with walking because I find it really boring and if anything's boring I find it really just doesn't hold my attention so if I'm walking to somewhere or walking with a purpose or a task that seems to help so I almost like trick myself into it and try and listen to podcasts etc as I I do that um I journal every day as well and just sort of like try and like get some thoughts out and 
I sometimes find it hard to know how I feel. So I have this, it's actually quite funny, but it's sort of like this, like emotions wheel, like a feelings wheel. Yeah. And if I can't work out how, how I feel, I sort of look at this feelings wheel and it kind of almost like shows you how. That's great. It's, it's really good. If you just, yeah, if, if anyone just Googles like feelings wheel or like emotions okay. wheel, it sort of almost like breaks the feeling down. So you understand it more. So it might say something like, like sad and then it'll be like you can either pick like angry upset lonely etc and then it'll take you on to another one and it sort of pinpoints the feeling down so you can almost work out a bit more what's upsetting you I find that really useful might not be for everyone but yeah that's really interesting and as you say that I'm actually thinking how good that would be for my youngest daughter yeah um because she feels a lot of emotions quite strongly so actually and sometimes not aware of what that emotion is so that could be really good for her as well yeah, I think it was probably originally developed for children. But yeah, I think it could be really good for everyone. It's really, yeah. really useful. Yeah, I think they're the main things. And I yeah, I use a weighted blanket as well. I find that really calming. Yeah, but then, yeah, I also, yeah, I have therapy. Um, and, you know, I definitely think it's good to, if you can, obviously, I know these things cost money. But yeah, if, if it feels too much to do all those things on your own, is to outsource anything you can. So yeah, like, you know get a therapist if you can and um I also have a personal trainer as well because I find exercise really hard and mm-hmm. boring again as well <laughs> see a common pattern here so I can do about 20 minutes of exercise and then my brain is like nope we're bored now so yeah, yeah I think having someone who can keep me like a bit more accountable and isn't weight focused isn't diet focused yeah. it's more like I want you to just do these steps because they're good for your health yeah you should be do- like you know like coming at it from a very neutral perspective has been really helpful for me as well that's amazing Anita thank you so much it's been so lovely chatting to you and such important messages you've been sharing as well and I know that everyone would love to hear about where they can get your book where they can follow you on social media your website maybe you could just share that before you go yeah absolutely I think the best place at the moment is probably my Instagram so that is at it's me Anita B Um, And if you've got any questions or anything, you can drop me a line there. Um, The book is available from all sort of big bookstores. Um, It's on Amazon. Um, It's at Waterstones, Foils, Blackwells, all of all of the biggies. And it's also on Audible, an audio book. So if you want me to read in my uh, my dulcet rubbish Welsh accent that has completely gone after years (laughs) in London, then yeah there is that option too amazing I'm definitely gonna do the audiobook I'm much more uh, an audiobook than I love an audiobook. a physical book yeah and I can walk at the same time so <laughs> stops the border when you're listening to something really interesting like that so Anita thank you so much thank you so much for having me it's been really fun Thank you so much for listening to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate and review it. Let me know when you listen to episodes, tag me in on Instagram at Face Yoga Expert. And don't forget to check out my website, faceyogaexpert.com, which has all the information about my teacher training, my two books, Danielle Collins Face Yoga and the Face Yoga Journal, my skincare range, Fusion by Danielle, Collins and all the other courses and offerings that I have. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.